Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the financial podcast, Future Rich. I am your host, Barbara Ginty, and also a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. And I'm here today with one of our expert interviews, which I'm very excited about. And we have Daniela Pierre Bravo from NBC, and she is co-authoring a book with Mika Brzezinski. Um, so I thought she'd be a great addition to our expert lineup. So Daniela, tell us a little bit about yourself. You have a really interesting backstory. Uh, sure. So I am a booking producer at Morning Joe right now, which is where I met Mika and we work together. Um, in addition to that, I'm a contributor for um, her website on NBC News, which is uh, Know Your Value. And I got started at Morning Joe through the page program um, about five, 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 maybe six years ago. And that's an incredibly an interesting. Isn't that an incredibly competitive program? You know, it is. And and um I was pleasantly surprised when I heard back. I, um, yeah, I, re- you know, before I, I decided to apply, I read all of like the community boards online saying that it was harder to get in than Harvard and all these sort of um, intimidating factors. Um, but I had gone through um, a little bit of um, kind of my own trials and tribulations before I got to the page program that kind of really gave me the confidence to apply. Um, so I, I think, you know, this is the, getting into the page program was a perfect example of, you know, how much your ability to set your mind to an objective and actually do it is, you know, where it can get you. Well, yeah, I think that's incredibly important because I think that we see a lot, um, with the podcast and with interviewing women that a lot of it is your mindset and knowing that you can tackle whatever the obstacle is being a personal finance goal or a career goal. Totally. I mean, I think those things were, you know, my finances and my lack of networks or connections were kind of my biggest barriers starting out. Um, so, I mean, in high school, I, you know, when I, I'm a DACA recipient. So when you, I was... You immigrated, right? You and your family immigrated to the country? Yes. And um, I didn't know this, but when I was, you know, applying for colleges, um, like a junior in, in um, high school does, um, going into senior year, really excited about the prospect of, you know, all of the different colleges you could go to and, and, you know, hoping that all your grades and extracurricular activities really do pay off. I was kind of stunned at the realization that um, I was undocumented. And so that meant a lot of things that, um, sort of prevented me to be able to think about having the traditional way into college. So I didn't have any ability to get any government loans. Um, And that was because you were not a U.S. citizen. Is that right? That's right. I was undocumented. So that immediately takes off um, your ability to do a lot of things that people take for granted. So um, 
you know, my family couldn't afford to take me to college. And so usually somebody in that position would, you know, ask for a, um, you know, a government loan that you would then pay off like most, you know, students do that can't afford going to college that I wasn't eligible for that because of my status. Um, I, you know, I, I couldn't drive, I couldn't, you know, work because, you know, you're not able to do that when you're undocumented. So I had to be sort of creative in the ways that I found, um, uh, you know, a way for me to get what I wanted, which at that point as a senior in high school was, you know, just to be able to go to college and pay my way through. And so that was a struggle, but I, I, you know, I, I found out really early, um, a finance, um, kind of how to by myself, because when you're faced with not going anywhere, but up, you kind of have to figure things out on your own. Um, I think so, it's really, you know, I think it's really impressive. I think uh, people could go either direction. I mean, there's definitely people who would say, well, these are all the obstacles. So I guess it's blocking my path. So I'm just going to yeah. stay, stay here. Well, I think one of the things that worked for me was kind of thinking about things creatively. I was always in a sort of survival, you know, problem solving autopilot mode mm -hmm. just because of the situation that I was in. There was no guarantee or safety net on anything that I did. So I started thinking creatively. So I thought, you know, um, like when I was in a senior in high school and into college, I thought, okay, well, if nobody's going to hire me, I'm going to work for myself. So I was an <laughs> That's so incredible. Contractor. But I was 18 years old and, you know, it's like, how do you do that? So, you know, thankfully I, before I turned 18, I had a, a Mary Kay consultant. I was really into beauty back then. I still am. And, um, she, you know, approached me with the opportunity to be a consultant and grow her business. And, um, you know, when you're a Mary Kay consultant, you're an independent contractor. So, um, you represent yourself. Um, and so I was, um, out there when I was 18 years old, I was an independent contractor and, you know, hiring people around rural Ohio, um, to work for me. And I was training women on finance and in accounting. I was like this little oh 18 gosh. year old, like trying to figure things out as I went, but just really studied up, whether it was YouTube videos, whether it's, um, the seminars that the company put out or, um, the regional events that were for, um, you know, kind of seeing the inside and the outside of the business and, um, you know, I was learning how to, you know, build a business from the ground up when I was 18 years old, not because I wanted to do it full time, but because I wanted to find a way to kind of get to college. That was my only goal back then. Um, so I made it into college. I, I got into Miami university, um, and not knowing that I could, uh, uh, pay my way through until the end. Right. So I think that's one of the things that I learned um, in my number one rule of finance, I, I think it can be really overwhelming and intimidating. And especially if you come from a place where you have very little or nothing at all, <laughs> which mm -hmm. was my case. And so I think that a lot of people uh, tune out, um, you know, finance talk right away. If they, if they come from a place where they're marginalized and don't feel like they're part of the conversation. Absolutely. But I think that one of the things that worked for me was to take it one step at a time. And I think that if you have the if you have money in the bank or you have money to move around, then having a long term goal is something that is sort of in your budget that you can kind of work a little bit at a time with. But if you're coming from a place like I did, where you don't have any money and you have absolutely nothing to work with, you you literally take it one day at a time. So when I was you know, I when I wanted to go to college, I didn't think, okay, how I'm going to make, how am I going to make it 
um, until senior year. Right, because that's too too long to think. I agree. You have to break it down into smaller bites. It was so daunting. And granted, I was with, you know, constant stress and, you know, it wasn't easy at all. Like I was going to classes and, you know, my mom was calling the bursar office, like pleading them not to, you know, um, take me out of classes. Like this was a, you know, a... Uh, something that was a, 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 um, a recurrence every single semester. So you so always had your, your fingers crossed hoping you would make it through. Yeah, and it was, you know, a culmination of, of doing things that, you know, you know, were sort of creative. I, I, um, I worked for a restaurant where they, you know, sort of paid me cash, and I, um, I uh, you know, again, was a Mary Kay consultant. And I, you did, know, you, which, did you go into the bursar's office with, like, a stack of cash? Um, yeah, I mean, I did at that point, I did have a student account at Chase. Um, I did have a student account at Chase because I did have a social security number. So, um, so I, I was able to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I had, it was really interesting. Like I was, you know, depositing, you know, things that, you know, cash into Chase. And I was like, literally for some time holding cash under my like mattress because, (laughs) you know, like I, I, and I, I didn't think about it too much. I just kind of did anything that I could to make it work because if I didn't, if I didn't take care of myself, then I would, you know, I had the decision to either do that or just stay at home with my arms crossed and so I hoping have a, I have a to question. something. Yeah. So, cause a lot of people would say I can't afford to go to college, you know, loans aren't available to me and my parents aren't going to help me. So I'm just not going to go. What made mm-hmm. you work that hard to get the college degree? you know, I think it was like desperation. Like I, I so badly had been instilled, like my family, like their, their main goal when they brought me here. And I think that this is, you know, the typical immigrant story, which Mm -hmm. is so true. They want the best for you. And as an immigrant, you know, student and, uh, you know, kind of trying to figure out my way, I wanted to make their sacrifice worth it. So Mm -hmm. there was no way that I was going to sit at home and just wait for something um, to to happen, you know, DACA didn't come out until right before I graduated, so that wasn't even a glimmer of hope. And you know, there has been since when I was in college and high school, there has been so many kind of um, promises in Congress that you know people would take care of people in our situation. There's been uh, DACA bills that have been brought um, um, to vote, and none of them have passed. So there was a real sense of disillusion and desperation. And that was sort of the only way I didn't know if even and when I graduated, what I was going to do with my degree. Right. Because I couldn't, I couldn't work. Um, so it was all kind of a hope. uh, But that's why it's good. You took it little by little, little by little. Yeah. And I think that's, that's true. That's why I say it's true. And whether you talk about finance, whether you talk about your career goals, um, I came again from a position where I was very sort of marginalized. I didn't have the, net connect, the networks or the connections and I just made it work. And I think that you have to be proactive in everything you do. Um, so I didn't just have one job. I had two jobs. And when I graduated college, I decided to, before I graduated college, and this is how I um, got experience in the media industry, um, was I put all my eggs in one basket and decided to go to New York City because I knew that I was in a position where I didn't have, I was undocumented at that, still at that point. Okay. DACA hadn't come out and I was desperate. I had, you know, you know, fast forward three and a half years um, into college and I didn't have big name um, 
uh, companies in my in my resume, which is something that you need to get to, you know, like an NBC or, you know, a big company. So mm-hmm. I decided to apply everywhere and anywhere um, to New York City because I knew that this, that was the place where I was going to be able to learn from the best um, and, and open and uh, grow my network. So um, I decided to apply everywhere in New York, and I ended up hearing back from, like, the small agency, which coincidentally was um, Sean Combs' marketing agency, Blue Flame oh, wow. Agency. And this was when, back when um, interns were not paid. Okay. So that was oh, yeah, that was my favorite. Yeah, but that place is my favorite just because of my situation. Um, and so I thought, you know, I made it three and a half years um, into college. I'm going to figure out how to, you know, be able to support myself with an unpaid internship and living in your city. I'm going to find a way to do that. And living in one um, of the most expensive cities. <laughs> New York City, absolutely. Um, and so I, they called me back, uh, Blue Flame did, which was um, a bad boy entertainment um, agency, their marketing agency, which essentially is um, the agency that Mr. Combs has to um, market all of his products. So Ciroc, Sean Combs, uh, Sean uh, what is the name of the clothing company? Sean, uh, Sean John? Uh, I don't remember. I think it is, uh, yeah, I think maybe Sean John. Yeah. Um, and then the record label. So I heard back and I was in the middle of um, the library study for an econ exam. I think it was um, during exam week. And the receptionist called me and had sort of a a preliminary interview with me, right? Because I think, especially in New York City, they always have like two or three in, uh, interviews for respective internships. So anyways, uh, we, we talked, we hit it off, and in, on my resume, again, this is going with my no excuse mentality, mm-hmm. I had put on my resume that I um, lived in New York City. So I actually gave them the address of the Columbia dorms, which, you know, coincidentally is where I ended up living. But you weren't um, living there at the time. I, were not, I was not living there. I was in the middle of Ohio, in the middle of the cornfields of Oxford, Ohio. And so I said, there is no way that the, the, the manager of this internship is going to give me a call um, if I'm in the middle of Ohio because they're going to need somebody to start in like three or four weeks and they're not going to want to, um, Wait you know, you deal with there. exactly to move and to, you know, because, you know, it's very unlikely that somebody moves, you know, across the country and, and, and starts a job for no pay out of the blue. Exactly. Absolutely. And so I, I was on the phone with them and they said, you know, how about you come in for an interview? I was like, great. And they're like, can you come in tomorrow? And without thinking, I said, yes, absolutely. Oh my God. Tomorrow. And so I was so excited. I turned, you know, I, I hung up and I realized, okay, I'm still in the cornfield. I'm still in Ohio. I'm still in Ohio. And so my, again, brain went to autopilot you know, problem solving mode. I scout. I was like, okay. My first thought is, was, okay, I can't get on a, on a, on an airplane. Right. Cause that would have, that would have been ideal. I would have got there in like two hours, but, right. um, I, I can't because I don't have a state ID and, and, you know, I, I just can't get on a plane. And so I ended up thinking, okay, how else could I get there? Bus. So I scoured the, the, the Greyhound bus website was on the next bus out, and then after like 18 hours later. Oh my gosh, that's Have awful. you ever been on a on a Greyhound bus? Um, I don't think I've been on the brand of Greyhound. I have been on buses. Okay, well, from Ohio to New York, there's like four or five stops, and they're all for some reason overnight, or that was what oh um, I was stuck with. So I didn't sleep at all, and it was like 
but it was a great time for me to, you know, this is like the optimist in me. It was a great time for me to study up on the company and, you know, go through interview questions and go over the questions that I was going to ask and just be really prepared because I really didn't want to miss this shot. It was my last shot. So I got to Port Authority, like literally cleaned up in the bathroom. In the bathroom. I was saying the bathroom. In the bathroom. <laughs> Uh, Port Authority, not the nicest bathroom. Definitely, uh, I would say I would probably rank that as like the lowest. Yeah, bathroom. it's like yeah, absolutely. And so, I got to the interview like an hour before and um, just like waited, did the interview. Um, they hired me um, a week later, and I, you know, I had to come, you know, with a game plan on how to, you know, support myself in the city. So. I got that internship, and then I also uh, ended up interviewing and got an internship at um, Viacom in their ad sales yes. department. So, wow. like, not the most sexy part of the business. So I wasn't doing production or working for any of the shows, but it kind of um, – I made it work, right, because I just wanted a way in the door. And I think that that's another lesson for their people that, you know, don't have connections or don't know how to start. Start where you can. Make the connection where you can. And so at that time, I had, like, a marketing background – um, I had a minor in it and I had, you know, I had been involved in different organizations that allowed me to do sort of real uh, projects, like real life projects with real mm -hmm. clients. So that was enticing for, um, that, uh, ad sales internship. So I ended up getting both internships, um, unpaid again, and I made it work. I was, uh, you know, I, I did an, um, a cash paying job as a babysitter. I was a dog sitter. I was a dog walker. I worked at um a bar and oh like i would God. have to go up to people and like ask for have for um you know free happy hours and i'd have to go up and get their email addresses and i got i remember i got a quarter was it a quarter or a dollar it was a quarter for every name that i signed up a quarter so like literally i would go into a bar and they're like okay you have three hours and i would just have to just stay in the bar for three hours and just go up to people as many people as I could in that bar for three hours um, and kind of tell them about the opportunity of getting a free happy hour, sign up, sign them up for an email and then turn that list at the end of the night um, into the bar. And I got a quarter for each dollar or I mean, I got a quarter, quarter for each person. person. So you, even a so, hundred people is only $25. Yeah. But I was like, okay, 25 bucks. That's it's better than what Nothing. I had yeah. before entering the bar. <laughs> Um, so I did that. And then I also, you know, promoted at clubs too, which I just, you know, in New York city that I had no idea what I was doing, but this was like my summer of discovery. Right. So I was doing in everything, anything and everything to make it work. And I did, and I got a great experience from those internships, not only on the know-how to like how to, you know, even an office environment and, and just like really being a sponge to everything around you, um, and making it work by like really working hard, um, both in the internship and just kind of trying to make money outside of it. And that was the summer where DACA came. And you can imagine, I had no idea. None of us knew. When I say us, DACA, I mean, the people that are now recipients of the DACA program, mm -hmm. we had no idea that was coming. Um, and so you can imagine the type of immense gratitude and sort of relief, right? Relief that there was an opportunity. And granted, it was not a permanent solution. It still is not a permanent solution, but it's something to hold on to. And it was so much better than what, you know, what I had before. So with that program in hand, I was able to apply to places like 
the NBC page program, which supplemented with the internships that I did in the summer before then really helped me get noticed because now I had not only my experience in college and the, the involvement that I had in college and the grades, but I also had these big internship names. Um, yeah, I think it's really impressive. And I think our listeners will probably notice that everything that you look at, rather than seeing what the roadblock or obstacle is, you see the positive in it. And I think that that mm-hmm. must be such a huge contributor to your success. Rather than saying, well, I don't want to be at Viacom and ad sales because it's not glamorous. You're like, okay, this is the way into a big company and a big name on my resume will help me get to the next step, which might be what I want. And so I'm willing to do this to get there. Yeah. And I think that, you know, my personality, like, is I'm not like the 100% optimist. I'm more of a pragmatic. So I see the critical part in things just because of like the things that I've had to go through. Mm-hmm. And the, the, But you, you kind of learn how to be a problem solver. Um, and I think that's one of the things that Mika really liked about me um, because I was able to problem solve anything and everything in her sort of morning Joe life. Even if this means you starting out in a job and getting a coffee like absolutely correct like that's that people are going to notice that um Mika I think that's one of the reasons why she kept me around originally was because I got you know that black-eyed um misto like perfect (laughs) um granted my responsibilities started becoming um you know more important after that but that's the way I got her attention was by getting her copyright at the beginning um, so right, I well, think taking that, that taking that job that some people would think is not important, but taking everything you do seriously and doing your best job at it. Yeah, and I think it's great to have lofty goals. Like I wouldn't be where I am without having lofty goals. But I, I would say for people, whether it's trying for them to try to get their finances in, finances in check, or you know get to that dream career, or get themselves in the door, or anything that they want um, in their sort of goal um, checklist, think of that lofty. Um, checklist, but also dumb it down. Like what are the steps that you can be doing today um, that are going to get you, even if those steps are really tiny. So I'll give you a perfect example for college. When I was like my sophomore year um, in high school, in college, in high school or college, college, I, you know, was trying to be creative in the ways that I um, could support myself in college. And I was scouring creative writing contests right? So like, that's not something that would immediately come to mind. And that's no. probably not something that pays that much. You know, I think I got only like a couple of hundred dollars from it because I ended up, you know, writing the, um, the essay and, and winning it, but wow. it's an opportunity. I think yeah. that people, um, who like me come from a place where solutions are not readily available or, you know, kind of come to you at the palm of your hand, mm-hmm. you've got to learn to be opportunity obsessed yep. and you've got to learn how to be able to take things down to sort of rudimentary ways of thinking and looking for opportunity around you everywhere. Well, like so, what you said, break it down one step at a time. So it's not. Yeah. Talking. Yeah. So whether it's, you know, looking for scholarships that are, you know, privately funded or whether it's, you know, becoming part of organizations that pay for your room and board, um, when you don't have the money to, you know, to do that, or, um, I don't know, like taking things one step at a time, you know, um, that really made a difference in in my life and and got me to eventually where I want to go. 
Well, and absolutely, and advocating for yourself, right? A lot of people, I think, would be saying, well, I don't know how I'm going to get there. I don't know what, how I'm going to live there. Looking at all the future problems. And you mm-hmm. definitely said, okay, I'm first going to, let me get, I need a big name, so I'm going to get the interview. And then you said yes to the interview and then figured out how to get there. And then once you've got the job, then figured out what the, a lot of people get hung up, I think, on the future, what I like to call future problems, right? Yeah. So if I get it, I don't know where I'm going to live. It's not paid. How am I going to do it? And then that stops them, right? Because they're right. thinking about the end result and how they're going to get to the end rather than saying, okay, well, that's step 10. Let's do step one. If I get to step three, then I'll do four and five, you know, rather than yeah. breaking it down, as you said, into little little bites and then being optimistic. And I would even say gritty about how you're going to get it done. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, we always talk about the importance of advocating for yourself and, you know, it's a good thing, but you know, when it's directly correlated to confidence. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you come from a place where you're either having trouble with your finances or, um, you feel like you are so far away from being in the network of connections that you need to get you where you want to go, that can diminish your confidence. And I think that for me, one of the things that, was most helpful in terms of advocating for myself. Yes, we have to learn how to say it um, and having like, um, you know, an amount of work under our belt to be able to advocate for ourselves. But confidence is where it starts. And I think that sometimes in my position, and especially in my position, I had to totally fake fake it till I made it. Um, Because I you know, when I went in for those initial internships or when I, you know, went in for the, to interview for the page program, I totally had imposter syndrome, especially because of my, um, sort of undocumented background. And at that point I, you know, I had a seat at the table because I had DACA. So I was able to apply for jobs, but, you know, I always kind of felt outside of like, the, the main network of connections and, um, you know, my, you know, my friends and their families had, you know, a lot more money than, than my family did. So I always kind of felt outside of, um, the grid there, but I totally faked it, faked it till I made it. And I, you know, constantly battled the imposter, imposter syndrome. So I love that though. I think it's so important and I, I can definitely relate to having done that myself having to fake it um, until you make it. And another really good way of saying it is fake it until you become it. Because if you fake it enough, you eventually grow into what that is. And then you kind of wake up one day, and I'm sure you're having that right now, and you're like, wow, I'm here. Yeah, totally. And I think that one of the things that helped me overcome um, imposter syndrome is to hold on to anything, right? So the fact that I was, and this is, I had to constantly say this to myself, right? Because I was constantly doubting myself when I, you know, was flying into, or not flying, when I was going into a bus um, into uh, New York and getting in the door at, you know, Sean Combs's company oh and trying to, you know, sell myself when I was, you know, knowing my background and all that stuff. So I, I had to hold on to something and I had to tell myself, you know, Daniela, you you know, from 18 years old, you, you know, owned your own business, you hired people around Ohio, you um, made your, you put yourself through college, even if it was a semester at a time and taking a semester off to do it, you did it. And so that had nothing to do with the internship, right? But Mm -hmm. it had everything to do with my confidence level and my ability to believe myself and to sort of take that energy and 
you know, center it into what I was doing at the time. So I think that we constantly have to, as women especially, work on our confidence and hold on to really sort of solid things that you've done to be able to um, center that confidence to something that you're currently working with because that helped me overcome um, imposter syndrome. And I, and as I work on it every day, I still have to remind myself of what you've um, done, of what I've done. Um, and I'm constantly have I'm constantly having sort of pep talks with myself. And I really encourage a lot of young women to do it. I know it sounds silly, but no, it's it, so no, important. It, it doesn't it doesn't at all. I always I kind of do something similar. And I'm also curious, do you have like a pep up song like some t- that you listen to if you feel like you can't get that confidence that you're looking for? Or a pep up song. You know, I'm like a sucker for New York City songs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that like really helps me all the time. Okay. Um you know, because I'm one of those type of people that, like, I always wanted to be in New York just because I I felt so out of the ability to gain access. And I think mm-hmm. that I always thought, even in high school, when I was, you know, in the shadows still, and I say in the shadows, I meant, I mean, you know, I didn't tell anybody of my status. Got it. Okay. Because, yeah, so I, I wanted to be in New York City because I, I knew that it was going to be the place where, if anything, it would allow me to, you know, find a way, right? Yep. So I'm always of the of the thought of like find a way to make it work. And so I think that, you know, a pep up song for me would be like um Empire State of Mind <laughs> that's, <laughs> by that's Alicia great. Keys um and um Jay-Z just cuz it's, you know, it it embodies everything about New York City. No, that's um, great. which I love, which I love. Yeah. So tell us a, <laughs> tell us a little bit about the book that's coming out. Yeah, so we're so excited about it. Um so it comes out May 7th, and it's a collaboration between Mika and I. And obviously, Mika is a pioneer of, you know, women and, you know, one of the pioneers of women empowerment. And with her um, book, uh, Knowing Your Value, and the re-release, Know Your Value, she chronicled, as you know, her own mm-hmm. um, sort of, um, you know, what she went through to kind of close her own gender pay gap. So amazing Which was book. Quite and I large, hers. Yeah. Yeah, and she, you know, you had um, the, you know, you you were one of the contestants in one of her conferences. Um, so, and you know, you know that her message is real, um, and she's kind of, you know, allowing me this platform to talk about not only my story, but kind of giving this special group of young women um, a different message, um, or the same message, but slightly tweaked to um, kind of talk on their narrative and their life experience. So um, with the book, um, we talk about my story um, and we talk about the things that I had to overcome and, and why we're writing the book together. And by the way, like I, the, w- the reason why we're writing the book um, is because I came to her um, and, and I had to sort of, I had my sort of, oh, know your value moment. Um, with her pitching her this idea. And how, of, did you, how did you pitch her? Because she's a very busy lady. Totally. And even me, who I work with her, um, this was like two, two years ago, two and a half years ago, when I pitched her the idea of, of, of opening up this platform of kind of gaining access. But she, you're right. She's totally busy. And even, even me, who you know, was the first person to see her you know, when she came into the studio, and I would, you know, work late into the night with her for other events once in a while. She's still busy. And it's not like I can sort of chit chat with her That's and what I was gonna say. all the time. Yeah. She's super busy. Um, and, you know, I'm of the idea is when you're walking in the door as an entry level um, assistant or a coordinator, as I was, 
you've got to kind of know your place at first and you gradually have to come to gain the respect of somebody. And that's what, that was my thinking with Mika. Like I didn't want to overwhelm her with my own backstory because I was there to do the job yep. and I understood that fully. Like I was just there for the first couple of months to get her copyright, print <laughs> scripts, made sure she had the right clothes um, to go on to set. And that was it. Right. Uh -huh. So I understood my place and I enjoyed doing it. And, you know, I, I, I valued my small role there because I came with such a hunger to just do work, any work, um, at that level. So, um, things evolved with our relationship. You know, we, I went for, to, um, from somebody that assisted her and made her life easier to now a collaborator, um, in this book. That, and that by itself is incredible. Thank you. Thank you. And the reason why it happened was because about two, about two years into us working together, we had a show in South Carolina for Morning Joe. And I was there, you know, um, kind of uh, managing the set and working with guests and making sure they got there on time and just dealing with logistics and making sure that Mika was all set with anything that she needed for the show. Um, and in the middle of the show, I remember her saying, you know, I have this, um, event, this woman's speech, uh, that I have to do in, um, Chattanooga, Tennessee. And again, oh, wow. we were in South Carolina this afternoon. Um, can you come with me? And I was like, of course, absolutely. It turns out one of her, the church chief of staff had got, fell ill at last minute and she couldn't staff our show. So Mika, the first person that she thought of was me. So I was brought along and it was just me and Mika. So it was a long time that I usually don't get. And so we were on, I think, like a 30-minute car drive to the private plane. And then we had time on the private plane together. Um, and during the car ride, we, you know, we made small talk. And, you know, I said, you know, Mika, I, I have an idea that I wanted to run past you. You know, you've built up such an amazing platform. You know, know your, um, know your value. Her platform was sort of fully fleshed out. She had had the first couple of conferences, as you know, that were such a success under her mm -hmm. belt. So she was really, you know, kind of uh, dominating this platform and doing an amazing job with it. And I said, you know, I, I'd love for you to give me your opinion on this um, kind of, and I didn't know if it was going to be a blog. I didn't know if it was going to be like a website. I didn't know right. if it was going to be like any, I didn't know how it was going to live, but I had this idea of this platform called Access which was essentially um, a platform for young women or men um, of my generation, millennial Z, uh, millennials or Gen Z, that didn't have, like me, access to the things that they wanted for their career. So whether it was that, whether that was a mentor, whether that was you know financial access, whether that was the the access to the know-how on how to apply to places or or get themselves in the door. So it's kind of a really lofty, lofty, sort of not fully fleshed out idea, right? Yes. Um, but, but it was something that I, I felt strongly about because it was directly um, correlated to my life experience and my own personal narrative. And, you know, that got Mika curious because she, of course, is, as you know, somebody who roots for women and wants to help women but she didn't really know about my backstory. So she didn't know that I was a DACA recipient. Um, she didn't know that, you know, I was the oldest of five and um, 
that the put yourself sort of through college and put myself through college and kind of had all these like tribulations in my you know personal life and also um, you know getting to where I I need to go. But 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 again, like she had no reason to, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, I, this is something that I, 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 again, I don't like sort of mixing my personal life with my work life. And I would encourage young people not to do that when they first walk in the door. But this was a moment where I thought I had a window of opportunity and I was nervous, right? Because, you know, Mika, like I, I'd worked with her, but she's, she's intimidating. Yeah, in she is intimidating like, and she's she, tall, which makes it for as a short person like myself is more intimidating. Totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but she's great. And, and, you know, I had to, I, the whole ride, I was like, should I say something? Should I not say something? And that was kind of like my know your value moment that I, that was a moment where I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to advocate for yeah. myself and for this platform. And Mika could either take it or, you know, you know, worst case scenario, she'd be like, cool. And give me like a small piece of advice or best case scenario. She wants to, you know, maybe do something with this. And, and you don't you know, know until you ask, even though it's and so you scary. Don't know. And if if I wouldn't have asked, you'd always wonder. I would always wonder, and we would not be writing this book together. That is in, um, that is incredible. So yeah, it's really exciting, and you know, the best thing is that it's it's um, going to help people that were you know whether it was people in my situation where they feel like they you know don't know how to either get themselves in the door, advocate for themselves. Um, you know, build a network. Hopefully my story will be able to kind of inspire them to create their own narrative on how to get themselves where they want to be. Or, you know, if it's people that are well-connected and don't necessarily know how to leverage their network or connections. Um, we really hope that this book is going to help um, a, a lot of young women and, and maybe hopefully men. Well, I can't wait to read it. And for our listeners at home, the book is called Earn It, Know Your Value and Grow Your Career in Your 20s and Beyond, and is written by Mika Brzezinski and Daniela. The book is going to be released on May 7th of this year, 2019, but you can pre-order your copy now on Amazon. You can check our social, Instagram, and also on my website, barbaraginty.com, for links so that you can pre-order your copy today. I would highly recommend it because we, as you heard from Daniela today on our podcast, she has lots of great advice and you're going to find even more in the book. So Daniela, thank you so much for joining us today on the Future Rich Podcast. We really appreciate it. And for our listeners, we appreciate you listening. Please subscribe and rate us. And if you want to check out our online personal finance classes, you can do so at www.planancial.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.